we are going to get started in just a moment. We're in a series, and uh, it's about evangelism. And in this series, we call it the sole purpose. And the sole purpose of man is that we would uh, be witnesses for God. We'd be ambassadors for Christ. We'd represent the royal court of heaven. And we would uh, proclaim Jesus, not just in the church, not just in Sunday school, not just in small group, but man, everywhere we find ourselves, somehow there'd be a witness by the life we lead, but we would uh, uh, be light in a dark world. Uh, man, when these kids come up here, this ball team a minute ago, man, it was so good to see them and thinking about the opportunity. I, I, man, I, I went way back to being, how many, how many of you played ball when you were a little kid? Just raise your hands all across the room. You remember that? I still remember when I was 12 years old, uh, Coach Steve Sullivan, a baseball coach. And when I saw these guys, I thought about an impact that he had on my life as a young kid. I was pretty hard-headed, so it took me a long time to come to Christ. But I just remember there's something different about him and his wife and how and they didn't have children of their own. They would invest in us teenagers, and, and, and this dates me, but it's kind of funny. He had a, I remember, uh, you got to remember, well, I was born a long time ago, but I played, uh, I played you know, ball in the late, in the 60s and 70s, but anyway. And, uh, and, and I remember he had this car. Now, you're going you're gonna to laugh, because I think I saw it on some super monster truck jacked up the other day. But this was like the coolest car you could have, an El Camino. Yeah, some of you are like, you don't even know what an El Camino is. Anyway, it was like a Camaro on steroids, we thought, anyway. And uh, he had one. And, man, I, and he always got a new one every season. And the cool thing was our ball team could get in the back, and we'd ride over behind Goodwin from one field to the other, and we'd scream and yell. And, you know, you know, you know how, it didn't take much to impress boys, you know. And it was just fun. So I don't know why I told you that. just had a baseball story. Okay. My baseball stories aren't near as cool as John Matias about knocking out of the Biscuit Stadium. Anyway, okay, so, hey, I'm glad you're here. The sole purpose, you were, you were handed a worship guide, a bulletin, if you will. Turn that to the back. There's a place for notes. And this week I gave you a little more. And uh, we're going we're gonna to see how much time we can get in and what we can uh, get out to you as I just share what God's put on my heart about this whole theme of evangelism. So I, I want to say this. Right across the top, you see the word show and tell. You know, that's really what our faith uh, story is. In the Gospels, Jesus would have this thing. There would be all these things. It's like, come and see, come and see. And these guys, all the disciples are saying, come and see this Christ. Come and see the light of the world. Come and see the bread of life. Come and see. Last weekend, John 4, come and see this man who told me everything about my life. Come and see this man who offered me not just physical water to satisfy my thirst. He offered me the living water. I mean, it's just amazing. But we 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 show and we tell see there's this uh, some people been confused they think if i just live a good life if i just live a moral life that'll be enough and that is not right i, I know lots of people that are religious i know people that are in cults they have incredibly moral lives matter of fact some of the people that are not believers of jesus christ have some of the most moral lives i've ever seen if you if you stacked your life and my life against them they would pass it on morality. Their, their morals are, are just incredible. But there's not a faith. There's not a faith in the one true Son of the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Or, or they've added to that gospel. One would just be the Mormon faith. I mean, I'm not here to beat up on the Mormons today, but there's, a, there's an add-on. There's a modern-day prophet, and it's not the true gospel of grace. But all my Mormon friends that I went to school with and played ball with, they are probably the most moral people, outstanding, erudite, educated, developed, fun, athletic, eat right, all that kind of stuff. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Hello? But 
doesn't make him a Christian. I mean, a Christian is one that trusts in Jesus Christ and him alone. So this morning, I want to just talk about, Jesus said it this way one day. He says, hey, this is a loose uh, edition of it. He said, hey, guys, come hang out with me. Now, here's what he said. Come, 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 come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. But here's what we'd say in the church of 2012. Come. Come, come, and I'll make you keepers of the aquarium, the church. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, go. Go out of the church, man. Go out there in the world. Let your light so shine that they might glorify your Father which is in heaven by your good works. I mean, it's just just gospel. So this morning as we get into this, eight ways that anybody can share Christ. I shared one of these last weekend. I'm going to kind of dig back into Colossians a little later this morning. But get ready to write because these are worthy of our time uh, that guy quoted last weekend, Ron Hutchcraft, I want to give him credit here, but this is really good. Here's number one. Pray the three open prayer. Open your door, open your heart, open your mouth. Lord, open the door, the opportunity, open the door for the gospel. I, I, I've been pr- I pray this all the time. I've been praying it for lots of years. I've been praying it this week. God, open the door, open the door, open the door. Because I, I can't open the door. I, I can close some doors, it seems like, or I get doors shut in my face. But God, open the door. And I've, I've been asking you, pray that prayer, open the door. Make that a part of your life every day. God, open the door of the gospel. But then it goes into, now God, if you can open the door, and I believe you can, open the heart of that person that I'm going to witness to. Open their heart to receive, to see Christ. Not to see me, because a lot of times when people just look at me and they look at you, they see sin, they see hypocrisy, they see imperfection. Uh, You know, I always ask people, well, why don't you go to church? And here's number one reason people don't go to church. What is it? Because of all the hypocrites. I'm like, hey, I am one. Hey, hey, if you're a hypocrite this morning, in some way, stand up. Stand up if you're a hypocrite at some point in your life. Look at that, man. You're in the house of hypocrites. Yeah. Let's give ourselves a big round of applause. Okay. And if you're sitting down, you're faking it. Because, man, we got some hypocrisy. Now, the goal is for Christ to put on the new Christ and to put on the new way of living and become a new creation in Christ. But uh, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Oh, the hypocrites in the church. I said, why am I going to go? Well, and then I'm like, well, if you're perfect, don't join ours. You'll mess ours up. <laughs> you know, I mean, I keep seeing people all the time, man. I think, man, that brother's got a problem. That sister's got a problem. They look at me, though. you got a lot of problems. I know. Come on in. I'm not perfect. I only claim a perfect Lord. A perfect Savior. So here it is, number one. Pray the open prayer. Lord, open, open the door. God, open their heart. God, open the heart. I, I remember when my heart was open. It was nothing I did. He drew me by his Holy Spirit, just like he drew you if you're in faith in Christ this morning. So the door was open. The heart was open. But then we're talking about evangelism, and that means to go and proclaim and pro- bear proclamation, and we share the good news. And we have to open it with our lips, not just how I live. And that's incredibly, uh, incredibly important, but how I live. And let's look at the second one here. Be there in the bad times. Just be there for people in, in the bad times of life. There's a great passage there in Romans 12, 15, part B of that. You can read there. But it, as you see here, when we're there, when somebody's going through a hard time, it speaks volumes to their life. Like when 
you're sick and somebody visits you and somebody comes to see you and somebody comes and brings you a meal or somebody in your family dies and you come, it is huge. Let me write, get you right out beside this. This is the greatest ministry. It took college, it took seminary, it took lots of years, but this is the number one thing I've learned about how to minister to people in grief. Are you ready? Now, I, I've read book after book. I've written paper after paper. I could exegete this. I could talk about this for the next three days, but I would leave and you would too. I'm going to give it to you. It's going to be real simple. Here's the number one ministry in a time of grief. The ministry of presence. Write it down. Man, I'm trained. I know the Word of God. You, many of you know the Word. And the number one ministry I have, it's the ministry of presence. When I come up aside and I care and I listen and I hug and I embrace, and I just let people know I care. There's nothing can ever replace the ministry of presence. Social media will try to replace the ministry of presence, but I will assure you, there's nothing like flesh on flesh to touch somebody when they're going through a hard time. How many of you want the social media church to come to the hospital when you're dying? Well, man, they, they text me. Great. Felt good, didn't it? Yeah. You're saying, well, I want somebody with skin. I want somebody to just come up and touch my life. Here, so it's a unique spiritual softness. And, and the other thing I see there is when people are going through a, a hard time, they're incredibly soft and tender, many times to the things of the Spirit. Number three, be there for the good times. Don't just be there for the bad times, but when people are, are, are incredibly having a good time or good things are happening in their life and promotion and celebration and graduation and next weekend we're honoring our seniors and college graduates and that's a great time in their life. But here's another thing. When, when people have kids, don't go, oh man, you had a kid. <sighs> Whatever. No, I mean, you celebrate. You have parties. You take them gifts. You, you ooh and you ah. And you go, oh, that's the most beautiful baby. And, and then some of you could be like, man, that baby looked like a rat. Don't say that. I mean, they're beautiful. My brother said that to me when we, when we had our first one. He's kind of like, yeah, let's kind of like what? Man, I cold copped him. What are you talking about? That's the most beautiful thing God's ever given. And then they've grown into these most beautiful girls. Oh, my women. I love them. All three of them, Donna, Rachel, and Hannah. Love my girls. So we celebrate. Let, let's go to the fourth one. We pray with people. You can share Christ by just praying with people. Man, like you're saying, man, I think prayer matters. I think prayer counts. And when you begin to pray, and a lot of times, like, hey, I'll pray for you. Oh, that's good. But let's be honest. We talked about the hypocrisy factor back here. Most of us forget. It's, it's my greatest ministry besides presence. I grab people in the moment. Can I pray for you right now? What? Here? In this place? It's public? I know. I plan to go public with my prayer. I plan to talk to him. And it's amazing how people gravitate to that. And even if they're embarrassed, they're like, oh, that is so cool. And then for some reason, people think my prayer gets higher than yours. That is a misnomer. They think, but you're, you're an earthly priest. You're a preacher. I know I need prayer. And, and, and I am a, a vessel of, for him, but so are you if you're a Christ follower. Do you carry the gospel in you? You pray. You pray for other people, so you pray with them. Here's the fifth one. Write people a thank you note. You say, What? Just let people know you appreciate them, you value them. I've written thousands of notes over the last decade, three decades. Here recently, I'm not writing as many because of all, all the other responsibilities I have, but I, I used to just write all the time. And I still will write. I, I, I like to write. It's an opportunity to express kindness and love. And sometimes you can put stuff in. Some of you have the ability to write stuff that it's hard for you to 
form words and articulate the gospel. This week, I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you now. We go to this restaurant on a weekly night every week. We have a habitual habit. It, it, was, it was Zaxby's for seven or eight years. We've quit that one. We've traded in for another fine establishment in our city. And we go there, and we see some of you. And, uh, and, and we go in there, and, and there's this guy. And I don't, Donna, is, 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 is he Muslim, Hindu, Indian? And, uh, and, and, and I love this guy, and he loves me. And, and he loves my family. I think he loves them. He just tolerates me, but I pay the bill. And uh, so, so, so we talk, and, and he's very, very gracious. He's very smart. He's getting ready to go to the University of Houston. So this week, I went by, and, and I thought, here's what I can do. And he wasn't there, so I can't wait to go see him this week. I'm just, but we've been cultivating a relationship for a long time, and I'm giving him a book, and, and I wrote him a note in there. And it's one of my books from my, uh, my friend Ray about what if it's true about the resurrection. I, I can give some of those out to you if, you if you'll promise to use it as a tool for the gospel. I gave some to some guys the other day. But I'm just, and it's, I'm, our goal is just to get him to read this and discuss matters of faith. I invited him for Easter, but he, but he had a conflict. Imagine that. But he's watching us. He's always watching us. When we were on that Daniel fast, it really intrigued him. Because we would go in there and eat this really special diet. And they're like, oh, this is the religious family. They're here. Yeah. And we would just ask God. So you, you pray with people. You thank you. Number six, you be ready with a customized testimony. Sometimes our, our testimony, I think our testimony needs to be a natural, a supernatural expression. But there are certain testimonies we use in certain situations. And I just think we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And maybe there's words in certain situations that we could use and phrases that could help people. And let me give you number seven. Lend, listen, I love this one. Lend them a Christian CD or a book. And all you go, man, don't be cheap. Buy them the CD, buy them a book. No, that's not the point. I, I, you know, I give plenty of books away. And some books I don't give away, people just keep them. But, but, but here's the deal. You, you lend it to you, you know, there's something about the power of lending. If, if, if I give you a book, there is something implied. You are going to do what? You'll give it back to me. Now, why would I say lend a Christian CD or a book to somebody? Because you, then you want to go, what'd you think? What'd you think about the writing of C.S. Lewis? What'd you think about the writing of this? What'd you think about those songs? And then you begin to say, well, you know, that song helped change my life. That song takes me to a neat place with my Savior, Jesus. So, Everybody could, could everybody do that witness? Could everybody do that? You could just, no, you're saying, I'll lend somebody my Sports Illustrated. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'll lend them my favorite hunting magazine. So you want to do gain a bow hunter friend? I don't know. I, I want you to just think this is a creative way. Let me, let me give you another one. So lend them a Christian book, a CD, and, uh, and number eight, invite them. Invite them to a service. But here's a great way. You know, being, being a preacher, and I have to get over here earlier and everything, but I've often wondered, how many could do this? Since our service doesn't start till 10, and for some of you at 10, 15, and, uh, and, and 9 o'clock we have Bible study, and, and then the worship team gets here about 7.30 and stuff. But I thought maybe, maybe somebody could take somebody to brunch sometime or to breakfast and just go, you know, hey, why don't I come by and pick you up, and let's just go and grab a bagel or grab something, and then we'll go to church together. Or here's one. Or why don't you come and go to church with me, and I'd love to treat you for dinner after church. Just for them to come and feel loved and warmed and accepted just to check out the gospel and just to check out what Christians are like. Like, well, wow, man, I, I came to your place and it wasn't real pretentious and, hey, I, I found it kind of interesting. But let me talk to you about a term right now, relational evangelism. Uh, 
you know, I've, I've been doing study on this for years, and I've taught different studies on this, and I've studied it, and I've read it, and now with all the explosion of everybody, I mean, it doesn't matter. I could go, the sky's blue, and I could put it on the internet, and I would get feedback about it. It is not blue. Or I can say, John Matuya is like the most incredible ball player, Christian, Christ-centered, loves his wife, blah, blah, blah. And if I put it out there for enough times, somebody go, he is not. I just, I'm amazed how people want to challenge everything we play. So I, went on, I was doing some study that I said, you know, I just, I'm just curious what some people think about relational evangelism on the web. Oh, my goodness. I wish I'd have never gone there. People slammed it, and some people praised it. And, and I just I walked away saying, okay, God, what do you want me to take away from this? But I just want you to write this, relational evangelism. Here's another name, friendship evangelism. I think it's one of the greatest forms is, is we cultivate relationships. A recent survey said 80% of people that come to Christ say they come to faith in Christ through the influence, through the impact of a friend. Friend on friend impacts them. 1% in this survey said they came because of a crusade, because of an event. 1%. 1% came because of a visitation program. Not slamming visitation programs, it's just they're not the most successful effective. Number three, 3% said they came because of a cold church contact that they made. And then um, 3% said it was a church event, maybe it was a men's dinner or a women's study or something happening or an Easter egg hunt or something. 5% said they came to faith in Christ because of a Sunday school class or a small group venue. And 6%, so they came just because of a contact with some church leader. And I guess just so they could be nice to them, they just came. Just to, you know, say, hey, I did it. Okay. But there's dangers in relational evangelism. And I want you to hear this this morning. Is in, 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 there's a balance. There's always, have y'all found there's a balance in everything in life? I mean, you know, the pendulum swings way over here, and then it goes all the way back over here. I lead a praise and worship Community, I've been leading that for 16 years. We introduced that to Montgomery. We really did. Now everybody does it. But, but and, and here, and to let you know how crazy I thought I was, I thought we were going to do what we did in youth ministry. We'd do advanced adult ministry. And I thought praise and worship was the greatest form of worship, but it was only a style. It was not the elite. It was not the end all. Traditional church is great. And praise and worship, but I said praise and worship for me and for Donna and for people we think will embrace is very intimate. And the church said, it is. But the thing is, we kind of didn't do the hymns on purpose. And if some writers begin to kind of change the tunes and the melodies up, I don't know if you've noticed the last four or five years, we've really incorporated more and more hymns into our service. And I love that. There's, the rich, there's rich theology. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that as we think about, if we're not careful in a relational evangelism, here's the danger. You just build relationships. You just build friendships. And, and that's cool for a month, two months, six months, six years. But if you're not careful, it's 22 years later and you're going, dude, we're getting comfortable. We're building relationships. You are not. Y'all play golf every week together. Y'all go hunting. Y'all go to, out to eat. You go to the movies. You do, you do everything together. You're not stepping your game up. So I would say in relational evangelism, I think it's incredibly important to cultivate and build friendships. And I think people are more receptive to hear from people that care about them but don't just because let me say this i want you to write this down the gospel has to be above all the gospel is the apex and the gospel rises above any friendship in the church said you know i mean many times in the gospel i think i'm seeing people come to jesus other times jesus go hey repent for the kingdom of god is at hand i don't think jesus is hating at peter and then we need to build this really close warm fuzzy relationship and peter you keep sticking your foot in your mouth man you have a trash mouth dude no, no, no. 
I think there's times that we just boldly, Holy Spirit leads us, and we just stand up and proclaim. And there's other times we cultivate. Is this helping anybody? Because a lot of times we just, we never get around to sharing the gospel. We just, we mean to, we have an intention to, but it's not the highest priority in our life. So uh, write in this comment, spirit-led witness. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. When we did walk across the room, the whole Bill Hybels thing a few years ago, it's all about being led by the Spirit, walking across the room, taking walks, introducing people to the Savior. But I'll tell you this, in all evangelistic efforts, I think prayer has to be the key. We're praying. We're asking God to order our steps. We're asking God to open doors. We're asking God to open our mouth. We're asking God to give us words. We're asking God to prepare. We believe by faith that when we pray, God acts. Do you believe that? I do. I believe when I ask God for divine appointments, I believe he begins to do that. There's four reasons relational evangelism works. You can write these down. These, this is just all kind of uh, extra stuff, but I think it's really helpful. Number one, you've got credibility. When you have a relationship with somebody else, you have credibility other people don't have. And, and they respect you, they, or hopefully they do. They, they have a friendship with you. And there's enough bad witnesses out there, so when there's somebody credible and they tell me something, a trusted friend, and, and I see the difference in their life, I, I want to take stock, I want to check it out. Our, our, positive, our relationships foster positive credibility when they're healthy, when they're good. You know, I often think about when I was coming up as a kid, and Nobody really shared the gospel. I had some people invite me to church. I had some people that wanted me to go because they would win Biggest Friend Day. <laughs> but nobody really cared about me going to hell or me having a relationship with Jesus. It just didn't happen. And, and one of the things I'm saying, God, we need to cultivate. Number two, you've got visibility. When you're in relationship with people, you're close. You're Christ to them. You might be the only Christian they really know, they're really only spirit-infused believer and over time they see what defines your life not just what you talk about but what really defines your character who really defines who you are and they go i need that you have peace you have joy you have forgiveness you have grace you have forgiver you have uh, a presence you have favor on your life you have security you don't fear death. And it's all because of Christ. And, and you begin, and, and they say, man, God seems to provide for you. There's provision in your life. I don't know what it is. You could just look at any number of points, and God would do things. The third thing, you've got accessibility to a friend. So I think friendship evangelism, relational evangelism is when you're going through a hard time in life, you could be the first person they reach out to. And they want to know how they're going to make it through that. Matter of fact, there, there's some points I'll make about that. I'll come back to it. But when there's a, a spiritual thirst, you're there. And the, and, and the fourth one is you have speakability. You're, you're just the person that will speak truth into their life. I mean, I think about how many churches are meeting today just in Montgomery. But how many people are unchurched today in Montgomery that aren't hearing messages today? On purpose, they intentionally decided not to go today. They chose to sleep in. They chose to read the paper. They chose to play music. They chose to go to the ballpark. They chose to go play golf. They chose to do a whole bunch of things, but they didn't choose to go to church. As a matter of fact, when the sun came in, they went, oh, isn't this a great day? It's all about me. What am I going to do? So God begins to open opportunities for us here. And, and, and this message of, of, of the culture, do y'all think culture tries to silence us? I think it does. Our culture is screaming anti-Christian message. In the day of Jesus, they were trying to silence Jesus. They tried to decide. Remember in the gospel when they go, we forbid you to speak in his name. Because every time y'all speak his name, a riot stirs up. 
don't, don't speak. Shh, 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 don't speak Jesus. And I don't think there's any difference in 2012. I, I, I think there's an opportunity that people just want us to be quiet and that we'll go away. And then I think about we need to be prepared to give a testimony. You know, hey, this is how my life was before Jesus. This is uh, how I came to know Christ, and this is the life after I received Christ. This is how my life's shaping up. You're like, what do you think? They're like, you need work. <laughs> I, I agree. He, he's not finished with me. How many, does anybody here think they've already arrived as a Christian? Anybody think as a Christ follower you've already matured and you're just ready to go to heaven? Just go ahead and sit here by yourself, okay? None of us have arrived. Already this morning, I have made mistakes. Already, man, you're like, you're our preacher. We thought you were so holy. You were just fasting all weekend, and you never had negative and pure thoughts, and you just worshiped God, and you never did anything wrong, and everything was great. You had full of faith. No! I was already ugly to somebody this morning. Damic nature. I didn't cuss. I, I damic. That comes from the word Adam. Man, nature of Adam just rose up and I did something I shouldn't have said. Attitude. Is anybody, anybody, did you ever have an attitude? Did you hear John say, the one little kid said, we need to have a good attitude. I went, oh. Now y'all are laughing. If I could come to your house, would I watch the same thing? Yeah. How many of you would love for us to come in every weekend and go, this weekend we're going to have a, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have your life up there. Jimmy Harper, let's watch him this week. See what kind of week he had. And he's a godly man. Man, there's Roger Robbins, man, the father-son camp out. Holy moments of Roger. Yeah, there you go. Rick Treves, moments of the Savior. Adam Wilford, there he is, moments with God. Moments not with God. No, I don't know. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? Is, is everybody getting a little easier about this? Somehow we think perfection. <laughs> Perfect is Christ. What Christ did for us, he took on my sin. Him that knew no sin became my sin and yours. That's the gospel. Do I trust him? Not do I trust the preacher, do I trust you? Like, man, I don't know, man, I'll get you in trouble. So we're urgent to tell others. Uh, I just, I'll move here quickly with you. Turn, turn to Colossians with me. We, we looked there last weekend, but we, we've got to go back there. Turn to Colossians. And as you're turning there, it's General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I, I know you're saying, I still do that. Isn't it crazy? All right, here it is. Chapter 4. I want you to get this this morning. And I'll close with an exercise in two books of the Scripture that will help you get so word-based. But look at chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in change Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Now, here, here's what I want you to see here. Just some different highlights here of this thing. Number one, this is on the side. I don't know where you're writing all this stuff. I have no idea. Just right on the front. Number one, pray diligently. Pray fervently. Cling to God. Devote yourself fully to prayer. Ask God to persuade you be a presenter ask god to change hearts lean into god trust god uh 
you know, don't quickly shake off this thing called prayer. Just go. Uh, Paul here in, in this letter, he's, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. If I go devote yourself to exercise, I mean, be, be active. Do it. Devote. Have your parents ever go, you need to be more devoted to your studies. <sighs> yeah, really. I, I know. My grades are showing it. You need to be more devoted to your diet. You need to be more devoted to your game. The Bible just says, be devoted to prayer. You, here, here it is practically. Pray for your neighbors. God, I want my neighbor to know Christ. God, I want my colleague, I want my boss to know Jesus. God, prepare their heart. God, give me words. Open the door. Open my mouth in the right season. But God, I, I want to see you work, God. Prepare them for spiritual things. Prepare them for Jesus Christ. Uh, Y'all can join me. My friend's name is Mickey. This week, I'm going to go see him before I go out of town. I'm, I'm just praying. I'm just praying is I, I think the door's open i don't know i don't think his heart is but i'm asking god to open his heart just that we can begin to continue the dialogue i'm not asking you to do something i'm not willing to do myself if we all begin to pray diligently about somebody in our life that we want to see them know jesus i think at the end of 2012 there would be another 250 believers how many want to be a part of a church like that how many want to be a part of a church like that okay then, then do it Francis Chan say, just do it. But, but if you don't want a church to be different, then do me a favor. Don't do anything I'm saying. Just don't do anything. And there's some of you today would go, well, somebody will get my chair. I tell you what, if that's your biggest need, we got a problem. Somebody's going to get your chair? Okay, whatever. I wish, I, I wish we had to sit on the floor in here because we had so many people, don't you? I think it's cool, man, when you come in and there's no room in the inn. There's people like, man, move over, man. You take up three chairs. I need, I need one. I don't know. Anyway, and the way our chairs are set up, you can get actually three people to two chairs. I've already figured that out. Okay, so <laughs> the other day somebody came into church, and, and I think it was Easter or something. It was like really full, and, and they came in, and they looked around. It was full, and they looked over, and they looked down. And there was two chairs. Now, i got to tell you, I'm a pretty big boy, okay? I'm six foot and pounds. And... Uh, <laughs> But, but can, can I just tell y'all, I can put three people right here. I'm kind of hanging in there. Hey, love you. Close. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And we got plenty of room. So you're like, well, let's fill them up. How, how many of you want to see every chair full? Hey, y'all, I'm really being calm today. You missed it one time when I was preaching in here. I got real fired up. <laughs> this is scary for me to do this. And I'll stand here preaching. I go, I'm so tired of all the empty chairs, and we need to reach our community for Jesus Christ. And I go, this is just ridiculous. And I threw it. And the guy goes, that is the coolest illustration I've ever seen. I don't know how cool it is. They're still empty. Sorry, chair. I didn't mean to hurt you. Okay, okay. here we go. So, we can fill them up. Now, I want to see your pastor do that if he's got pews in his church. There's no way he's going to throw a pew. Okay, all right. Just came to me. All right. Man, I'm on point today. I know where I'm going. Okay, clinging, faithfully, praying, relying on the power, receiving the divine preparation of God. Number two, in verse five, he says, pray for us that God will give us many opportunities. And one translation says, act wisely toward outsiders. Be wise about how you treat people outside the walls of the church and inside the walls of the church. Um. You, you, you live like you make the most of the opportunity. You engage them. Uh, we don't create the opportunities. 
we become aware of the opportunities. I believe if we ask God to open doors and open hearts and open our mouths, I believe there's opportunities around us if we're just spiritually aware. And this, man, Chad, I love you, man. I love you talking to me. And, uh, and, uh, and you know what's amazing? Chad grew up Catholic. I, I love this, man. You think like, Chad, were you Pentecostal when you were growing up? This is great, man. And Chad just talks to me. It resonates in his heart. And the rest of you are like, well, if I was tall as him, I would talk too. Okay, anyway. But I hope, I hope you're loving God. I hope you want to say, God, I want to be aware of the person. Here, I want you to write down a sub-point. God's op- God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to those around me. Let me give you some ways that I think we can get open our eyes. In the seasons of life, in the seasons of change. Here it is. Write this down. The biggest season of change that I know of is your freshman year of college. It's actually when I came to know Jesus Christ because your whole world changes off your mom and daddy's rules and all that when you go off to university. And it just, it was huge. And it got me in serious trouble. I had some serious fun, but I got in some serious trouble. And as a result of that, I came to an incredible God named Jesus Christ. So freshman year is a great time. I'm, I'm even wondering if your freshman year, ninth grade, might be another pivotal time. Is you're kind of becoming a high schooler. You're, you're kind of becoming cool. I'm not trying to say you weren't cool before then, but you really think you're getting cool now. Okay. All right, so your eyes are open. Let me give you another season, the season of loss. When there's a season of loss in your life, when there's a death, when there's a, uh, uh, a divorce, when there's uh, a sickness, People are incredibly sensitive. They're open to the things of God. They, they become more aware. Get your eyes open to that. And then maybe a season of being exposed, that you have an addiction, and you want to bring your addiction to the light of Christ. I think that's a time for change. And the church said, amen. So I, I just think, our eyes open. I think if you and I begin to look at Montgomery differently and say, God, open our eyes. I, I just, God, open our spiritual eyes. You're like, what, you drive with your eyes closed? No, no, no. But it's a, spiritually, Look. There's sheep without a shepherd. Our city needs Christ. Let me, let me move to the next one. We listen to what people say. We just listen to what people say. People will tell you all the time what's in their heart if you just listen. Man, I'm in pain. I'm hurting. I don't think I can go on. I think my wife, I think my husband's leaving me. I think my kid has got some addictive behavior. I think I'm concerned about the future. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent next month or whatever. Hey, I'm scared. I'm scared of death. I'm scared of this sickness. I'm scared I might have this. Whatever. Just listen. God, give this body eyes to see and ears to hear. And then the third one is in verse 6. He says, now speak graciously. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. God, make my speech salt. Make it attractive to where people get thirsty for spiritual things. God, make the people that hear my voice today, somebody that might go online and hear this, God, may they get hungry, may they get sensitive, may they speak gracious words of life. To where, uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you a question. I want you to just write this down somewhere. Ask the eternity question. Just ask the eternity question at some point in friendships, in relationships. Here's the big eternal question. If you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? If, if your heart stopped beating in the next five minutes, or tonight when you lay down, would you go to heaven if, when you died? At some point, we have to ask, ask people that. And that's a great place. All right, man, I don't know. I hope so. 
I think so. Uh, I don't think there's any way. I don't know. I, I'm pretty good, man. I went on a mission trip last summer. That, does that count for anything? No, not really. Have you trusted in the blood of Christ? Have you trusted in the righteousness of, of Christ? Here, let me get back to the outline real quickly. The process of leading someone to Christ. Number one, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your day, commit your way to Jesus Christ. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. Lord, we commit ourselves to be in faith sharers. We commit ourselves to proclaiming the gospel. Number two, have courage. The opposite of boldness is fear. Exchange your fear today for boldness. God, give me the courage to open my mouth. And, and guys, can I be incredibly real transparent and honest? I love Jesus Christ with all my being. I love to teach and preach and share the gospel. But I still get intimidated in certain situations. I do. I get intimidated sometimes when I go one-on-one. You're like, no, you don't. I've watched you. You could talk to the wall. I know. But when it really, when it's time to land, I can still get a little intimidated. I can get a little, I, start, I can stutter a little bit then, you know. It's okay to be a little fearful because that makes you real dependent on a holy God. Amen? So commit your way, have courage. Number C, connect by building a bridge. Just build a bridge of the gospel. Hey, you're separated from God. It's called sin. There's a punishment. It's called death. It's called hell. There's a bridge to the eternal God, to heaven. It's called Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father but by him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Jesus Christ, the bridge from death to life. I need Christ. I've trusted in the blood of Christ. I've trusted in the righteousness of Christ. Christ will take me and present me to his Father in heaven. I will be accepted. I'm accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. Is that pretty simple? And I can, I can show you how to draw this out on a napkin. We can do all that kind of fun stuff. I mean, some people go to lunch and they go, it's art time. And they draw pictures. I've been in many restaurants and I've seen people like, oh, they're sharing the gospel. Awesome. And other people like, man, I'm just doing a deal. I'm just drawing up a deal. Here's the deal. You give me this, I won't give you anything. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Commit. C courage. Connect. D. Communicate the gospel clearly. Just communicate it. Live out your faith. Lay out the gospel. So, uh, let me say that again. Live out your faith, lay out the gospel, leave the results to God. This week, I can't wait to take one more step with my friend to try to lay out the gospel. And I have to leave the results to God. In my prayers, we're, I'm going to get in a book in his hands, and I'm praying that's going to turn into some conversation, and we'll just try to talk. And, and, and you know, because, you see, y'all are really blessed. Can I just tell you how cool it is? If you don't work in the church, it is awesome. There's nobody in my office that's not saved. Well, that's really a good thing. I, I want you all to think about that. I mean, I hope they all, they all say they know Jesus, okay? But I've often thought, how cool it is y'all go to school tomorrow with people that don't know Christ. You go to work with people that probably don't know Christ, and you have an opportunity to witness your faith. Isn't that awesome? You're like, you want to go to work for me tomorrow? Well, if I knew how to do what you do, I might want to try that for a week. Except if I did it, you wouldn't have a job when you got back. It'd be like really messed up. I mean, some of you are like really, really smart. Or maybe all of you are really, really smart. And I just like, I, I can't do that. I don't, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the ability. How many want my job for a week? No takers? Dang. Donna, I was asking. I was hoping somebody said they wanted my job. Oh, you want it. Oh, look, 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 the little guy wants my job for a week. <laughs> you have no clue what you just signed up for, son. That's okay. Maybe you'll take my job one day. That's awesome. All right, let me, 
I'm not giving my job away today. Okay, here we go. Here it is, real quick. The plan of salvation. Here it is. Admit. Admit. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit you're a sinner. Admit you need a Savior. That's where it starts. B, believe the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in his name. Believe on him and him alone. Trust, clinging, admit, believe, and C, commit. Commit your way to Jesus Christ. Confess Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you'll be saved. That is the gospel.